4: It's the
5: list
6: and the Chris at
5: fightful with Jimmy Van and
6: Chris fam Fleet.
5: They're on fire! Ooh. Boom Shakalaka! Two hundred strong.
4: <laughs> that Top was amazing. Top notch production. Top notch, notch production.
5: <laughs> What's up, you guys? Yes, it is Wednesday. And yes, this is Fightful. But no, I am not Sean Rossap. Sean is out today, probably living the life, being a limousine riding, jet flying, wheel and, deal and son of a gun. And so today, this is not the list in your boy. Instead, we are presenting a special edition of the list. And the Chris. My name is Jimmy Van. I am the founder of FIFO.com. And you know my co-host, he is the rock's favorite personality on YouTube. At least I'm saying he is. And he is a four-time, 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 four-time Emmy Award winner. And I even had them put that on his overlay.
6: This is Chris Van Vliet. How are you, man? Doing great. And for today only, I'm gonna be Chris Van. So it's Jimmy Van and Chris Van, and I'm here, Jimmy. To tell everyone, to show everyone that the three most important letters in pro wrestling are not SRS. They are not WWE. They are not AEW. Hell, it's not even MJF. It's
5: CVV. Very nice. Now, if we're going with the theme, should it be Jimmy Van and Chrissy Van? Jimmy Van and Chrissy
6: Van. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I love the NBA Jam intro. Man, what a throwback. That was my jam. That was my game in the 90s. That was all Sean, too. I can't take credit.
5: That was all Sean. But I got to tell you, I am looking forward to doing this with you. You are somebody that I very much respect. You're somebody I think very highly of because you are a worker. Everything that you have achieved, you earned. And so when Sean Rossap told me, hey, I can't do the podcast today, the person at the top of my list to co-host was Chris Van Vliet, and so uh,
6: I'm glad you're here, man. We're going to have some fun. Oh, wow. That's very kind. So thank you so much. Jimmy, I have a tremendous amount of respect for you and everything you've built with Fightful and everything else that maybe you know people don't really know what you do behind the scenes. But it's amazing. Actually, before we dive into this, I've always been so curious because I'm a big fan of like branding and stuff. How did you come up with Fightful? I wanted a name that was short. So I'm a big
5: believer in making sure that the domain of any company that you create is available. Yes, uh, because everything is digital. So I wanted a name that was short. I wanted a name that was easy to spell, easy to say. I wanted a name that I thought you could have some fun with. Uh, fightful to me had a good ring to it. It was a domain that was available. And it's funny enough. So Alex Pulaski, who does uh, sour grabs with us, he uses the term fightful faithful to refer to our viewers. That was actually a term that I came up with when I thought of the name fightful. Wow. But I never told Alex that he came up wow. with faithful by himself. But that's where it came from. I wanted something that just had a good sound, short, easy to spell, easy to say, because in the digital world, that's what you want for your business.
6: It's so, it's so good. And I, I will admit that I spend far too much time on GoDaddy, like looking up domains and looking up different brand names and everything's taken. Everything's taken. Everything. Everything. Yep. So the fact that you could get Fightful.com is amazing. So my hat's off to you. I'm not wearing a hat, but you get the <laughs> And you know what I love about it the most? Vince Russo hates it. Really? Why?
5: <laughs> I he, he's told he's told me, and he said on his podcast, "Fightful such a stupid name. It's such a stupid name." And that for me makes me love it even more. Wow! You know what I mean? So huh. something else I want to tell you: Did you know that you and I, Chris Van Vliet and Jimmy Van, have a lot in common? Did you know this? And I'm not just talking about the aesthetic similarities.
6: No. <laughs> me- Pretty much like twins here,
5: almost like looking in a mirror. Yeah, Yeah. looking in a mirror. No, so we're both from small town Canada. I believe you told me you're from Pickering.
6: Yep, Pickering.
5: I'm from Brockville, Ontario, Canada. We both are longtime pro wrestling fans from childhood, whose families didn't like wrestling. You've told me about this. (laughs) My family didn't like wrestling either. We both have ties to the independent wrestling scene in Ontario, Canada. We know a lot of the same people. We've talked about that. We do stuff on YouTube, obviously. But did you know, Chris, that you and I both had our first child the same year that we turned 40? Wow. Yes. Both oh, of us. Man. Yes. And uh, that was good timing on your part. I don't know if it was intentional or not. <laughs> But it was good timing because you want to wait till you're established. You want to make sure that you get the fun. You know, a lot of people, when they have kids really young, they don't get to experience as much fun as maybe they would have otherwise. Mm. So I'm a believer in, uh, in waiting. And uh, so, yeah, we both did
6: that, too. Wow. Well, look, my daughter is now nine days old, as I sit here right now. And I'm, right now, she's sleeping in the other room. And we're very grateful for that. But uh, you say that, you know, you're a little more established when you have a kid at 40. I, I barely know what I'm doing right now. We're, we're barely getting by here. I can't imagine doing this at any other point in my life and trying to figure it out. I, I, I will Washington
5: had children young, he's talked about it. I can't imagine. Like when I was 25 years old, there's no
1: way.
6: There's oh no. my gosh. No, I, I always talk about all the time, like, especially in the dating world, like before I met my wife, I was like, you know, I was so fortunate also to meet her. Uh, you know, when I was in my late thirties, and I was like, okay, I've got life a little bit more figured out. At least I know what I want to do in life. I wouldn't have wanted to date the twenty-two-year-old <laughs> version of me. Right. I can't imagine why anyone else would want to date the twenty-two-year-old version of me.
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, Chris is going to school, and uh, Cody is ignoring him. And uh... yes, oh my <laughs> gosh,
6: that is yes, that is exactly what happened. I so badly. <laughs> wanted to be a pro wrestler when I was in college. And, you know, we'll tell the story here real quick, but I went to a dorm party. I went to Wilford Laurier University in Waterloo, Ontario. Just down the street was another college was Waterloo University. Cody Diener happened to go to that school. I didn't know him. I didn't know anything about him. But he lived on the same floor as one of my best friends and we met at a party, like a dorm party. And he's like, oh, yeah, I am going to some wrestling show tomorrow. And I'm like, well, do you have any room in the car? Like, could, could I tag along? And then uh, we basically just stopped talking at that point. He's like, <laughs> like, yeah, there's no room in the car. Can't make that happen. Awesome.
5: Awesome. Well, Cody is a good dude. I know you've talked to him since. And Love I've Cody. Talked to I've talked him to you. Good Ontario kid. Okay. So we're going to talk wrestling, but before we do, we got to get a little business done first. So first guys, get in your super chats. If you want us to read your question or comment live on the air, or you can go to humperchat.com to do the same thing. And Chris or myself will answer your question live right here on the list. And you, and the Chris, I was going to say, <laughs> there and there Chris, it is. Uh-huh. and the Chris, <laughs> Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Fightful, and hit that like button on this podcast. It helps us out a lot. We are on the road to 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. Nowhere near the level of Chris Van Vliet. But we will take it. We want to hit that $100,000 goal or 100,000 subscriber goal. So help us with that. Last but not least, Fightful Select is the most subscribed Patreon on the planet in terms of pro wrestling news. For just $5, you get all the wrestling scoop your heart desires. Go to FightfulSelect.com to subscribe and get the deets. Uh, all right, we're going to get started here, Chris. We're, we're going to start with a couple of Super Chats right out of the shoot. Let's do it. Ricardo still no surname says congrats on fatherhood cvv have fun there
6: you go thank you ricardo still no surname appreciate it man <laughs> it's been so cool jimmy seeing all these messages whether it's twitter instagram you know youtube it's just amazing how many people are like congratulating me for this i don't know it's just the wildest thing uh and I, I, the the feeling's just not going away this is it's such a it's such a rush it's great to see positivity in a negative world sometimes. You know what I mean? <laughs> <So> <laughs> and I'm in glad. the world of pro wrestling, there is a lot of negativity. A lot of negativity. My yeah, there is. My goodness. I don't we understand have,
5: you guys. We have another super chat from Glassdoor Gamer. They say, shout out to Pickering,
6: Ontario. The smoke is horrible. Oh, no. I've heard about this. I've really? heard that it's really bad. I hope. I hope everything's okay there. I don't know. That's news to me. Uh, The the forest fires on uh, you know that side of the country—they're really affecting Canada and also into the U.S. uh, on the East Coast. In the Maritimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I hope everything's all right there. I haven't heard about it uh, hitting Ontario. I mean, I live in Toronto. I haven't
5: heard about it. I guess I don't know. Maybe I just haven't been paying enough attention. Well, I I feel like you'd see it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I'm a hermit these days. I'm semi-retired, so maybe that's part of. Are you really? I am. I am. We'll talk about that off the air. Okay. I I want to start today by sending condolences to the family of Khosrow Vaziri, otherwise known as the Iron Sheik. It was announced today, June 7, that he has passed away at the age of 81. You talk about a story that is the stuff of legend. Decorated Olympic caliber amateur wrestler from Iran. He defected to the U.S. where he became an assistant coach for the U.S. Olympic wrestling team at the 1972 games in Munich, Germany. Of course, he met for He trained to be a pro wrestler. He went on to beat Bob Backlund for the WWE title. He won the WWE tag titles with Nikolai Volkoff. He kind of jumpstarted Hulkamania by putting over Hulk Hogan for the title. In his later years, he kind of developed a different reputation because of certain vices and certain addictions. There was a story of him and Jim Duggan, of course, that got caught together in the car when they were feuding on television. His daughter, Marissa, unfortunately, was murdered in 2003, and it's known that he had a bit of a downward spiral after that for many years, and he was taken advantage of a lot publicly and poked fun at by outlets like the Howard Stern Show, but he also had that legendary Hall of Fame speech in 2005, the WWE Hall of Fame speech, and I had the opportunity to meet him and spend time with him when we both worked at an independent show in 1999 in North Dakota. And check out this throwback pick. Look at that! Wow, feels like it was taken 80 years ago. Oh Man, God. but I got What's to on tell your you, chin there? Yeah, that was some stupid. So I, uh, it's a lot. So. I was portraying a heel character, uh, and for some reason, I thought that that would work. And I'll tell you a funny side story. Justin Roberts was ring announcer for that show, and I met Justin Roberts, and I've known Justin Roberts since 1999 because he was doing ring announcing. He thought me being Canadian was a gimmick. He didn't think it was real. He thought, oh, his his gimmick is that he's a bad guy Canadian. And I tell him I'm really from Canada, because he thought (laughs) it was bullshit. But I got to tell you, when I met the Sheik, he was very kind. He was very laid back. I'd heard stories that he had a temper, had none of that. He was awesome to talk to. He was very willing to talk wrestling with me. Chris, tell me your thoughts and memories of the
6: Iron Sheik. Well, look, I love that the Iron Sheik's one of those characters that whether you're a diehard pro wrestling fan or you know nothing about pro wrestling at all, you know who the Iron Sheik is. And I think that that's such a testament to who he was both in the ring and outside of the ring. And you're right. He kind of jumpstarted Hulkamania. If it wasn't for him putting over Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania probably still would have happened at some point, but it would have looked very different. So my personal interactions with him were always so good. I worked at Sun TV in Toronto. You may remember, Jimmy, there was a show on there called The Grill Room. And my colleague and good friend, Gareth Wheeler, hosted that show. And the Iron Sheik was a frequent guest on that show. And (laughs) it was funny because every single Iron Sheik segment had to be pre-taped because you never knew what he was going to (laughs) say live on the air. But he was so kind and so nice. But when that red light and the camera went on, he got right into character, and he was always just so entertaining. And I, that was the thing I love about him. He was always looking to make people smile and entertain people. And, man, he was just such a, a kind individual, at least in all the interactions that I had with him. Do you remember an Ontario independent wrestler by the name of Magnus Van Steele?
5: From, yes. Uh, hmm? So I got to tell you a story. So the Sheik was brought in for some shows years ago in, uh, in Ontario, Canada. One of the local television stations, I believe out of London, interviewed him and Magnus. And the entire time, the Sheik called him Magnum. <laughs> and we, we were all standing off to the side because Magnus is trying to, like, maintain focus and maintain this character that he had. He was a big, muscled-up guy. And we're all standing off to the side laughing our asses off because of the Sheik the whole time. Magnum! Magnum! <laughs>
6: That was the other Sheik. Sheik was making all of these different comments, uh, a lot of them, of course, about Hulk Hogan when he would be on yes. Sun TV. And Gareth would be like, I'm not actually sure that's true, uh, Sheik. And he's like, oh, yes, very true. And then he would go on and say something else. Ah, well, I, we'd have to actually check you on that. That That's also maybe not true. But it was just that was just his way of like continuing the conversation and getting people to talk about him.
5: It's true. It's true. He was a legend and, uh, and, uh, he will be remembered. There's no question about it. So my condolences to, uh, to his family, we got a super chat from small snippets of life. They said, hi, Jimmy and CVV coming to Toronto for a forbidden door. This will be my first wrestling pay-per-view need some restaurant recommendations. It's been a decade since I visited. Okay. Do you have any Toronto restaurant recommendations?
6: Yes. And because I'm not back in Toronto that often, it's maybe twice a year now to see my family Every time I get off the plane, I make my parents take me to Swiss Chalet immediately. Are you kidding? I love (laughs) Swiss Chalet. It's a rotisserie chicken restaurant for people who aren't familiar with this. And the sauce they have there, chalet sauce, is so good you could like drink it out of the little bowl that they give it to you in. Okay. So for anybody not Canadian,
5: Swiss Chalet is a chain franchise. Uh, And that sauce, you can get powdered
6: forms of that. Did you know that? I, yeah, of course you can, but it's different, it's not the same. It's not the and same. And I've had that. My parents have sent it to me since I've been living in the US. It's not the same. So Swish LA, that's that's a huge recommendation from me. Jack Astors is such a great spot. I love Jack Astor's. Always go back to that. And also Smokes Poutinery. If you happen to be downtown, you can go to Smokes. It's a poutine restaurant, but it's like all these different kinds of like gourmet poutine. <laughs> like and, and I, you know, you can have poutine when you come to the U.S., but it's not the same. That's not right. The
5: same at all. Right? If you want gourmet versions of fries, cheese, and gravy, mm. Smokes is where you want to go. Cheese so- curds,
6: Jimmy. Cheese curds. Cheese, curds.
5: cheese curds. You're right. You're right. Cheese curds. Cheese curds. So I'm going to give you a couple of other names for restaurants aside from the popular franchise places that Chris is telling you. So, Scaramouche is a great place, Midtown, Toronto. Uh, I love that place. Michaels on Simcoe is the best steakhouse in Toronto, one of the best in the world. So I would go to Michaels on Simcoe. And you remember uh Casa Loma? Of course. Right, Chris? Yeah. Castleoma is a castle in Midtown, an actual castle in Midtown Toronto. They have a restaurant in there now called Blue Blood, which is a steakhouse. So oh. I would I would go there and I'll give you a tip. If you go there with your significant other, tell them that it is that it is your anniversary, even if it isn't. Because they might give you a tour of the place
6: for free if you tell them that. Wow. This is what, I, th- so so I'm told, Chris. I like that. That's a gimmick right there. I'll give you <laughs> one more. The old Spaghetti Factory is a very special place when you go when you're in Toronto.
5: It's been around for a while. Yep, it's been yeah. around for a while. Someone is uh, busting my chops about the smoke. They said, uh, Glass Story Gamer said, "Jimmy, go outside. It smells like bonfire." Okay. I live in Uptown Toronto. I'm outside every day. I have not smelled smoke. I haven't. I'm sorry.
6: Where? So. Where exactly? Where, I mean, Uptown could be really anywhere. Where? Is, where do you consider? It? I am it
5: in be? the Lawrence and Avenue area of Toronto.
6: Okay. Yeah. So, so kind of like, by like Yorkville. Uh, no, Yorkville is quite a bit south of us. Uh, yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm closer.
5: <laughs> I'm closer. I'm gonna say you're still the Canadian boy, Chris.
6: Come on. <laughs> Yes, yes. Now, This this is funny. It's a little uh, aside here. There's a little tangent here. So when I first moved to Toronto from Pickering, I was living like downtown, downtown. I was living on Blue Jay Way in front, basically. So like right next to Rogers Center, you know, used to be called the Sky Dome. I would have friends that would be like, oh, I just moved downtown too. I'm at uh, Young and Bloor. And I'm like... I said downtown, and you're living at Young and Bloor. or they'd be like, "Oh, I live at Young and Eglinton, right downtown." And I'm like, "That's a 20 minute subway ride away. That's yeah, it's not really downtown." No, nope. that that's like clients that I've had that they said, "Oh, you're
5: from Canada. I have a friend in Vancouver. Do you know them?" Oh, gotta love that. Gotta yep. love that. All right, we have another super chat from Deo. They said, "Who else saw Anne Hathaway giving CVV eyes?"
6: I mean. I don't- <laughs> It's so funny. That interview happened 12 years ago and it gets reposted at least once a month. Every month I get tagged in it quite a bit. I don't don't see what everyone sees there, but it's really interesting, Jimmy, because two types of people will repost this video. On one hand, you'll get people that are like, look how flirtatious and fun this was. Like what happened after the cameras went off? I don't know. And then on the other side, you get people that are like, how dare this forward young man ask a question about an actor's weight gain or loss? I, wow. I'm so happy she handled it in the way that she did. And it's so funny how the two different types of people couldn't be further from each other.
5: Wow. Wow. I'm I'm not really up to speed on a lot of celebrity names. There was one girl that you interviewed. Was it Dakota Johnson?
6: Yeah, Dakota Johnson, Leslie Mann.
5: Yes, okay. Dakota Johnson wanted a piece of CVV. She did. I don't.
6: She was just having. She did.
5: Fun.
6: <laughs> she was just having a good time.
5: All right. Well, the next thing we're going to talk about is AEW business and Double or Nothing. And speaking of Double or Nothing, if you want to keep your identity and data safe and get access,
0: hey guys, have you ever wondered what happened to the legendary Chuck Norris? I saw a video he made and I was shocked. He is in his eighties. Staying active is important. Moving around keeps you feeling good. Making sure that you take care of your gut health, your digestion, just overall, is also very important. Right now, you can go to mymorningkick.com slash Fightful. Watch Chuck's video right now. That's mymorningkick.com slash Fightful. Check out what Chuck Norris has to say. What's got him feeling so good these days? He explains everything and you won't believe how simple it is.
5: to IPs around the world to help you get better pay-per-view pricing. NordVPN has you covered. Take it away, Joel.
0: Nord. NordVPN.com/fightful. What more can I say that I haven't already said? Well, I'm going to have to say a few things because this is an ad read for NordVPN.com/fightful. You know, the way that I get UFC pay-per-views for uh, one-sixth the price. The way that I'm able to unlock lots of content, the way that I'm able to keep myself browsing safely and securely when I'm on the road or when I'm at home on all my devices. This bad boy right here, this bad boy right here, all these bad boys around here that you can't even see are all protected with NordVPN.com slash Fightful, a 30 day money back guarantee. You already get a great deal on it. The amount in savings that I had the first month beat the price that I paid for the subscription itself. And again, works on all your devices with one subscription, NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Check out their many great tiers and tons of other great features, NordVPN.com slash Fightful.
2: Very nice. Uh, Good job, Sean. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
5: All right, let's talk some AEW business. I'm very curious to get your, your thoughts on some of this stuff. So I'm sure you are familiar with tribal and pro wrestling right no that doesn't (laughs)
6: exist what are you talking about jimmy
5: i just pulled it out of my ass i guess (laughs) i don't know but there are people that they love everything aew does they defend all of it they love everything wwe does they defend all of it but then there are those that hate one company and Mm -hmm. shit on everything they do even when it's good aew has always been kind of polarizing but right now it feels like maybe more so than ever because on the one hand they've seen some good success with certain shows. So Forbidden Door is sold out in Toronto on June 25th. They got about 13,000 tickets sold for that show. All in in London on August 27th, they have about 65,000 tickets sold. Massive success. But then on the other hand, Double or Nothing is uh, estimated to have done about 130,000 buys according to Dave Meltzer. It's a 15% drop. Year over year, AEW collision tickets are not moving yet, even though they announced CM Punk is going to be part of it. According to WrestleTix, the collision taping in Hamilton, Ontario, on June 29 has less than 800 tickets sold so far, and the collision show on June 24 in Toronto has less than 1,900 tickets sold so far, and that's at Scotiabank Arena, which is a pretty big venue. This has led to speculation or suggestion that maybe CM Punk isn't the draw that he used to be.
6: What are your thoughts on that, Chris? Well, I think that CM Punk is still a draw, but everything that happened with All Out or Brawl Out and all the things that happened behind the scenes that we don't really know, and I'm sure one day a documentary will come out 10, 15, 20 years from now that will reveal all of that. I feel like that took the wind out of the sails of AEW, and I feel like that made a lot of fans, whether you were... An AEW and WWE fan, or you were just a diehard AEW fan. I feel like what happened there and the fallout from that press conference really shifted the momentum there. And I I, I don't I can't quite put my finger on it, but it just feels like something's different there. And speaking directly to uh double or nothing, I, I just feel like AEW had this great idea of like let's run it in Vegas every year. It's a special thing, it's like our biggest show, it's kind of like our WrestleMania. I really think that Double or Nothing needs to move to a different place every year to kind of freshen things up. And I will not be surprised when next year Double or Nothing is in a completely different location because I just feel like Vegas every single year, I, I just think that there was only so much of an audience there. And for whatever reason, Vegas just doesn't draw huge wrestling crowds. Like Impact runs there frequently. And even the people in Impact will tell you just Vegas is not a great wrestling crowd.
5: Do you think, because this is kind of my opinion when it comes to Collision, or the, the Collision uh, sales numbers. Do you think when it comes to Vegas that they are burning out the town? Because not only did they do Double or Nothing at T-Mobile this year, but they did Dynamite at the MGM Grand the Wednesday before Double or Nothing. And so they're running the same town, you know, two times in the span of a week. And those shows, like Dan, Jim, Grant, they did under 5,000 tickets sold for that show. And then in Double or Nothing, they did about 10,500, according to WrestleTix. So do you think part of the problem is that they're just running the same towns too often?
6: Well, look, I think that they're doing the same thing that WWE does around their big shows. They go, all right, you're going to be in town already. Well, do you also want to come see SmackDown, NXT, Hall of Fame, which when that was a separate show and the big show and also Raw and like WWE doesn't seem to have a problem when they're running that many you know, shows hmm. uh, in, in a weekend. I just think that Vegas itself isn't, isn't an amazing place to have a wrestling show. Like it's one of those cities where there's something going on every single night of the week, every single week of the year. And I feel like when wrestling's going on, there all you're getting are the hardcore fans that are flying in and and making this like a weekend or making this like a a big destination adventure for them.
5: You're right. I mean, people in Vegas right now, they're busy watching the golden Knights manipulate the cap to win a Stanley cup. That's another topic. That's another topic for another day. I want to say this in terms of the collision numbers. So, you know, Ontario, I think that a big problem they're having is that they have too many shows within a small geographical region over too short a period of time so for those that aren't from this area hamilton ontario is about an hour drive from toronto and so when you look at what's upcoming they've got dynamite in hamilton on june 28th the day before the collision taping they're running forbidden door on june 25 in toronto the day after that they're doing a collision taping so they got four shows in the greater toronto area over a span of about a week And I think that that is a major reason. Now, I agree with you. I do think that CM Punk's name value is not what it it was before Brawl Out. And I do think that his name has been tarnished somewhat. But I think running four shows over a span of about a week within an hour distance uh, is a major issue. And I've talked to people I know know that live in the the general area who have not bought tickets for uh, Collision. And they told me that the prices were too expensive. They said, why Mm. would I go to Hamilton? Because, you know, Hamilton's not a big town. And it's an, an industrial town. So they're saying, why would I go to Hamilton and pay 100 bucks plus for a ticket to Collision? It doesn't make sense, especially if I'm already going to Dynamite. So I, th- I think it's kind of unfair because some news outlets have really kind of pointed the finger at Punk and yeah. said that they're not drawing because of Punk. I don't think that's necessarily fair when you consider so many shows over a short period of time.
6: I also think that it's interesting how AEW is branding Dynamite, Rampage, and Collision as – They're kind of basically saying like, these are three shows that we have on network television and they're all kind of equal. Whereas like when you've got Raw and SmackDown and then NXT definitely feels like it's one tier down. So when NXT gets 2000 people at a show, nobody really bats an eye. They just go, yeah, that's cool. On to the next one. So I just think that it's going to be really difficult for AEW to continue to go, our Wednesday show is really important, but also our Friday show is really important. And then our Saturday show is also really important. And I feel like when you do that, how could you possibly have equal amount of ticket sales across the board? It just doesn't seem to how's that going to shake out?
5: Right. We got some super chats. Uh Glassdoor Gamer says, Why didn't they go to Vancouver or Montreal? Saskatchewan only gets WWE house shows for a reason. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously, they. I think, like you said, they picked Toronto for Forbidden Door. They wanted to do Dynamite within the same general area. I don't know why they picked Hamilton. Um, I'm sure it was cheap, but uh, and maybe they're keeping production in town for the whole week, so it's easier that way too.
4: Could but also Ham- be availability.
6: Like, there's so many things that happen behind the scenes that we have no idea that are actually going on. Like, it could be maybe other venues weren't available. Uh, And I think that a big thing that obviously happens in wrestling is they keep things within, you know, a a couple hundred mile radius. So let's run this show and then let's just go one state over or one city over and run another show over here. A lot of this, though, has to do with schedules of all the different sports that run in those venues, all the different concerts that run in those venues. And trying to slide themselves into that schedule uh, can't be easy. It's possible it's possible i think if they were to do
5: it again i would do what wwe does if you're going to run toronto i would run ottawa or montreal yeah that's what wwe does you're not going to see a t- television taping you're not going to see raw in hamilton you know what
6: i mean i think that uh i, I just think there's a, a lot of people give AEW such a hard time and don't kind of take the grain of salt with this that this is still a relatively new company like they just started running three and a half, four years ago. I think a really big part of this is they started doing Dynamite in October of 2019. Five and a half months later, the entire world came to a screeching halt and somehow AEW kept running television programs even though their company was less than a year old. Every other startup would have crumbled and failed during that. And the fact that AEW was able to continue to keep going and to continue to build momentum during that time is something that's really commendable and nobody talks about, I think their haters are still waiting for them to die, but it ain't happening. So if any haters are-, are still waiting for impact to die and they're, they're like, you know, going 20 plus years now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
5: So worst comes to worst. Tony Khan will buy a television network. Cause that's what Anthem sports did. <laughs> so you never know. We got a super chat from Ricardo. Still no surname. He says punk lost his luster after all out. I think a lot of people think that. Did you notice when Tony Khan officially announced on Dynamite that Punk was going to be at Collision that it was a mixed reaction?
6: Did you notice that? Yeah, and I just think that I don't have lost the it's luster. You know, I don't I don't know if that's the correct term here, but it was so special when he came back. It was so special because Punk had really been arm's length from pro wrestling for so long, and he was basically the guy that people went. I don't think he'll ever come back. There's no way he'll come back. And then it was kind of this not so secret surprise when he came back, and the timing of it was so perfect. The world was just starting to open up again. They were able to have full arena shows again. And you've got the biggest return, at least in modern wrestling history, happening. And it was like it, it was just this culmination of everything together. and it was just so perfect. And it can't be perfect forever. And I feel like, you know that that magic that you've created there, starts to wear off a little bit, but that image of him sitting there during the the presser with Tony Khan just kind of like, I don't know, like crawling in his skin while CM Punk is saying all these things, that is an image that I think is going to be ingrained in the brains of wrestling fans for the rest of their lives, for better or for worse.
5: I think Punk's going to turn heel on this run.
6: I think he he has to.
5: I think that's where he's headed. And I'll be very curious on his first night. Now, granted, his first night's in Chicago. uh, But Chicago could be a tough wrestling town, too. It won't surprise me if he gets kind of a John Cena-esque reaction, or at least the reaction John Cena used to get, because now Mm -hmm. they're they're just happy to see him. But it wouldn't surprise me if he gets that kind of reaction and they go in a heel direction. There's a lot of rumor about him and Samoa
6: Joe in a program. I think the fans are going to go with Joe in that program. I think that if you look at the entire course, of CM Punk's career. We're talking Ring of Honor and WWE, his stuff in AEW. He doesn't miss very often. So I think that CM Punk's really good at reading a crowd. And if things are going to go the way that you're talking about, I feel like he's going to jump on that and ride that wave. And it's going to be pretty, pretty special. So I'm interested to see that. I personally think that to make this CM Punk run, this, this second run of his, really mean something he can't be wrestling every single week. And I know that's difficult because Warner Brothers Discovery is kind of saying like, hey, if we want Collision to work, you've got to have this CM Punk guy wrestling all the time. And I just feel like it would be it would be so much more meaningful if CM Punk were to be kind of like Brock Lesnar. Like someone who's around and you know he's there, but when he has a match, it means something. And there were a lot of matches that CM Punk had in AEW that really didn't mean anything. And I hope that this time around, that they they do something about that.
5: I also think because he's more injury prone now, they got to be smart. He's in his forties, and so especially like I've been I've been saying for a long time that if if he's going to be at all in, I would do him in Omega. Like that should be your match. So long as he can mm-hmm. get Omega to agree to want to work with Punk, because the elite, you know, they don't know how the relationship is. Punk and Omega would be your matchup. But uh, I agree, if, if Punk is wrestling every week on TV, you're taking a lot of risk. Because of his of his injury history.
6: And look, Punk and Omega is great because you know AEW would sprinkle in some of that real life drama in there. And then blur the lines of what's real, what's fake. Does he actually mean what he's saying in that promo there? It's brilliant. I, I would love to see that happen. I think that they can figure this out. Hopefully. Money talks, ultimately.
5: You know? So we'll see. We got a super chat from Rahav Rosenberg. San Jose is waiting for AEW. Chris is awesome very kind. I didn't Thank see you. no I didn't see no Jimmy is awesome, but that's okay cuz I don't get offended. Jimmy He's is awesome. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I want to uh ask your question. I want to talk to you about Double or Nothing a little bit and get your take on this. So Double or Nothing like I said did about 130,000 buys, which is still pretty good. It's not a train wreck by any stretch, but it was down 15% year over year. Now, going back to tribalism, of course, the AEWs are haters are saying, "Well, that's because the booking sucked." That's what they're saying, right? But I think it's a combination of factors. Now, I do agree. I don't think that the four pillars angle was strong. And I also don't think that there was a ton of interest in the elite versus the Blackpool Combat Club, not enough to to draw over and above what they normally would. But you got to remember, NXT ran battleground head to head against that pay-per-view. It's it, you can't. How do you how do you not look at that and say, well, that must have taken a bite out of it? Do you think that? Uh, what do you think of AEW creative currently? Do you think that Double or Nothing was down because the the storylines going in weren't connecting, uh, or do you think AEW is just fine creatively and NXT Battleground uh, took a bite out of them?
6: I don't understand when people are like, man, all AEW does is take these old WWE guys and put them in the main event. And then they have a main event at their biggest show, Double or Nothing, which is for homegrown talent, the four pillars. And people go, oh man, that's not very interesting. It's like, what do you want here? Like which, which one of it, which one of it will make you happy? And the answer is clearly none of it, but NXT running, you know, head to head with them. Is not a mistake, but also can we continue to look at pay-per-view buys? Like when so many people are streaming this and finding this in other nefarious ways, perhaps using NordVPN. I don't know. You know, like <laughs> I just, I, I just think that that's not a great metric uh, to judge whether the show is successful or not. That that really worked, you know. In the same way that ratings aren't a great measure of how many people are actually watching the program. That worked maybe twenty years ago, but. I just don't think that that's a good metric now. I think I think the thing with ratings is that
5: because advertisers still look at the key demo, you know, because in terms of what they're buying, in terms of what ad rates they're paying, they still do look at the key demo to kind of determine that. And I and I do think that whatever AEW gets on their next rights deal is going to be very much factored in to what kind of numbers they're doing. But I also think, like I've talked about this with Sean before aew is making money you know what i mean like 130,000 buys is still good they sold out forbidden door they're getting 65,000 plus at all in we don't know how much cash they're getting for collision yet uh because they haven't announced it but i bet you on their next rights deal they're going to get three or four times what they have on their current deal they're making money but, but people are just looking for ways to say oh they're dying they're dying they're dying it's just not the case
6: Look, the one thing I will say about ratings is ratings do matter if you're a television executive. And that's period, end of the statement. That's that's it. Ratings do not matter when you're judging how many people are actually consuming a wrestling television program or any program in general. Like when you look at ratings from 20 years ago for everything, like Seinfeld and Friends were getting 20, 25 million viewers at that time. No show on network television is doing that anymore. No. And I, and people are trying to compare this like they're apples and oranges. I mean, sorry, like the apples to apples. It's like apples to zebras. Like the ratings are so completely different because there's so many different ways that you can consume the television now. But I will say, uh, you're right. Uh, the ad buys matter, ratings matter for the ad buys. So Yeah, the deal that uh, AEW got with Warner Brothers Discovery, sure, that matters based on how many eyeballs they can bring to the program. And what's really interesting with television in 2023 is the only things you really need to watch as they're happening on TV are things that are happening live. And that's really, for the most part, sports and wrestling. So I think that Warner Brothers Discovery is going, you've got some sort of way to bring people to our network as it's happening have at it. See how many people you can bring in here because everybody else could watch it on Netflix, Hulu, Max, whatever you, you know, you can watch it on DVR. It's very, very rare that you're actually turning on the TV like for cable or streaming and actually flicking to the channel to watch something now.
5: Is Apple's the zebras an industry term? Or I just uh, made that up. pretty good, right? <laughs> we got a super chat from Anthony Martin. He says it's a holiday weekend. People are busy. I mean, aew's done other shows over holiday weekends intentionally, and they've done well. so i I don't think that's a, that's a detriment. Uh, all out. I mean, Labor Day weekend is how they started with that show. Yeah, and
6: then, I mean, and they always run double or nothing on Memorial Day weekend. And look, I think that we could all come up with a hundred different excuses for this or that or the next thing, but, I just think that every single show, whether it's AEW or WWE, can't be a sellout. And I think that when some of them aren't, maybe that's not a problem. Maybe it's just like, let's look at this and learn from this and move on from there. So you know who didn't have excuses? That's Chris Van Vliet, because I know that you set
5: the goal of getting into the best shape of your life by the age of 40. Now, I got a question for you based on that. Mm. How do, how does your wife feel about the results, Chris? <laughs>
6: So, my wife was also at her most pregnant point when I was in my best shape of my life. And she's like, This isn't really fair. You know, like I'm at my biggest with a child, and you're at your leanest with, you know, all of the work that you put in. She's like, This this isn't really fair here. But uh, man, I got to tell you, Jimmy, that was a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication. And I've been working out since I was 15. I've always. You know, I've always enjoyed going to the gym. I've always been in pretty good shape. But I wanted to see what was possible if I really dialed in the diet, dialed in the workout, the baby was about to be here. And I wanted to redefine what it meant to have a dad bod. And I hope that through this process, other people who are maybe at the very beginning of their fitness journey might be looking at this and going, man, if Chris can do that, I can surely do this too. I could cut out Pop or soda from my day, or I could eat a little bit healthier, I could move my body a little bit more, and uh, I just hope that that inspires some people. Awesome. Well, Chris
5: redefined his body. If you want to redefine your penis, Blue Chew has you covered. <laughs> Take it away, Joel.
0: If you're watching this, you have probably considered becoming a pro wrestler at some point. Well, let me tell you, I got your gimmick and I got your gimmick. Here's your gimmick name: Rock Hard Eric Shins, and your gimmick. Is Blue Chew and the code Fightful. Same approved ingredients as uh, Viagra I see Alice, but you don't want those. You don't want those. You want Blue Chew. It's a chewable, gets into your system a lot faster. It's ready when you are or when you're not. Maybe you need that motivation. Maybe you need that step up in performance or maybe you just want a little bit of additional confidence. Take an online uh, questionnaire with a physician and when approved it arrives straight to your door. All you got to do is pay five dollar shipping because that first shipment is Free when you use the code Fightful. Mailman's no not gonna know what's up. Uh, the, the the nosy Nellies around your neighborhood aren't gonna know what's up. But let me tell you, that special someone's gonna know what's up. bluechew.com dot com and the code Fightful.
6: Took me You're, a while to
5: get to that segue, but I got there. Chris,
6: your segues are so good. And I also have to say, it's amazing that we we have the same sponsors uh, on both of our different shows. There you
5: go. There you go. It must be something
6: in the water with us. I don't know. Got a super must chat. Be. Got a super chat from Rahab
5: Rosenberg. He said, me again, Jimmy, you're awesome too. Oh, that's so sweet. And there he you said, go. He said, Chris, we need more live stuff from you. This is great. We'll have to do
6: the list and the Chris again, Chris. Well, look, just let Jimmy know that you want me back on here and I'm sure we can figure something out. So maybe drop it in the chat right now and let Jimmy know that uh, we want more CVV. How about we start a CVV, CVV chant? We will have to talk about it. We'll talk about it uh, off the air. All right, let's shift focus to
5: WWE. This week, Raw was in Hartford, Connecticut. PW Insider reported that Vince McMahon was backstage, which isn't a surprise because it's close to his home base in Stanford. So that's not a big shock. And we reported on Fightful Select that Vince was in guerrilla position and he changed a significant part of the show just a couple of hours before showtime. What's interesting, though, is that this particular episode of Raw was pretty well received, I thought. Gunther versus Kevin Owens was excellent. Seth Rollins versus Damian Priest was excellent. Dominic Mysterio. I'm sorry, man. There is nobody in the business with his level of heat at the moment, not MJF, not anybody. Nobody has the level of heat that Dominic Mysterio has. What are your thoughts on Vince being at raw and the fact that the show was actually pretty good despite, uh, him
6: making changes. Look, Jimmy Vince being at raw is no surprise to anybody. And I think that Vince having some sort of say in what's going on in WWE over the last handful of months is also no surprise to anybody. Like this is his baby. And I do, I just can't imagine Vince just sitting back and just, enjoying retirement and not having his hand in what's going on here. So that's no surprise, especially the fact that it's you know right down the street from where he lives. So no surprise at all. And look, I was at the press conference uh, after WrestleMania and Triple H said something and I, I kind of paused when he said it, but I'm like, man, it's true. He said, look, WWE is hot right now. And I'm like, is it? And then I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of eyes on WWE and WWE has been making a lot of the right moves right now. And if you're not a WWE fan or if you are a lapsed WWE fan, I just think that if you were to tune in, you'd be like, oh, wow, there's actually some stuff there that's pretty good right now because WWE has, uh, I don't know, I feel like there, it got uh, got made fun of for a long time there. And there were a lot of storylines that people didn't love. And I think that right now they're they're making a lot of the right calls. I agree. KE775 says, will Vince
5: screw up WW Momentum? I wonder if he's been bothered by the company's success without him. What do you think? Do you think that now that you know Endeavor, the deal has been announced, Vince is, uh, is uh, chairman of the new co, and so he kind of has a license now to be more involved. Do you think that that is going to stifle WW Momentum?
6: I don't think that he was ever not involved, really, in any sort of way. I don't know. I just think that uh, I think that WWE is is making a lot of the the right plays, at, at least right now. And I think that uh, th- it feels like everything has to go through Vince for final approval, at least you know from what I've read, especially on Fightful Select. But I feel like Triple H has some really good ideas here, and I think that the the more Triple H has some say in this. I think the uh, better off we're going to be as fans.
5: I think that there's definitely a correlation between the bloodline story and the increase in uh, business with WWE. It seems like every live event now, Sean will post on Twitter and they just hit a new record in Gate for this and they just hit a new gate record for Gate for that. Uh, I think there's a correlation with the bloodline story. So I want to get your thoughts on the different stages of the bloodline story because we've never been able to talk about this. Elimination Chamber in Montreal. Mm -hmm. A lot of people were pissed off that Roman Reigns beat Sami Zayn to retain the title. Uh, where did you stand at that time? Were you part of the camp that said, man, it was Sami's time? Or were you part of the camp that thought, no, 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 they've Roman's got a different endgame here?
6: I think it was Sami's time. Like, I think that that storyline was so good and so brilliant. And that's the long-term storytelling that we've been looking for for so, so long. But I think that Sami winning there wouldn't have made as much sense with everything else that's happened after that. Like Sammy and KO winning at WrestleMania. That's a huge moment. Roman hitting a thousand days. I feel like that just seemed inevitable. And I think that it's eventually going to lead up to at this point, it feels like WrestleMania 40, but Cody's going to be the next person to hold that championship. I I don't know when, but I feel like it's a matter of it's going to happen eventually. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. So I I just think that whatever they're doing right now has a play that's maybe a month or two or three beyond what you're seeing right now in the moment. So that
5: takes me to WrestleMania because even though some people were upset about Elimination Chamber, that felt like it went up tenfold when Roman Reigns beat Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. And I am of the opinion, and maybe I'm in the minority, I think Cody has lost steam since WrestleMania. I don't think that he is as hot today as he was going into WrestleMania. I think the program of Brock Lesnar so far hasn't done him a lot of favors. Uh, The match that he won, he kind of won in a fluky way. Then he loses because he passes out. I think he's lost steam. Did you think Cody should have won at WrestleMania
6: or do you think it was the right decision? I was shocked that he didn't win at WrestleMania, but I also think that WWE does this thing a lot where they go, Oh, you think this person's going to win? Well, watch this over here. And I think that that was like the exactly what they did there. It was like the personification of that. I agree that the booking for Cody since WrestleMania hasn't been great. I do have some faith that this will somehow get turned around. I don't know if it's at SummerSlam, maybe it's Survivor Series, maybe they figure something out at Royal Rumble, although that feels like a long time away right now, but something's going to have to happen here to bring people back around on Cody Rhodes. I also feel like, Jimmy, and maybe you'll agree with me here, leading into WrestleMania, they were doing all of these things to remind people like, no, no, Cody's the person you should be cheering for. Like there were moments where he was coming out to make the save and you're like, He's not even involved in this storyline. What's he doing here? But it's just to get that like pop and to make people go, oh, yeah, Cody's the good guy. He's the guy we should be cheering for. Uh, it, It was just really interesting to me.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I will say this. So this latest twist with the Usos, I am interested in this. Like, this is interesting to me that, okay, Jimmy Uso cost Roman and uh, Solo the tag team titles at Night of Champions. Then Jimmy approaches Roman on SmackDown and says, we want to be all one unit, but we all have to, you know, kind of be together. Roman rejects him, Solo uh, uh, attacks him. And so now they're advertising that this week on SmackDown, Jay Uso has to decide between brothers. He's got to pick either Jimmy or he's got to pick Solo. I think it's going to lead to a tag team match at Money in the Bank between Roman Solo and the Usos. Where do you think the Bloodline story is headed? And if you think they're going to do that tag team match at Money in the Bank, what do you think is going to happen post Money in the Bank? Where do you think they're going next?
6: Look, they, they have knocked it out of the park when we round every single corner with this Bloodline storyline. So... I I don't, I'm just along for the ride here. I just want to see what they do here. It'd be really interesting to see Paul Heyman turn on somebody. and Really? I, I feel like he could be a really integral part of this because I don't think that people would see it coming. Interesting. You think that, so who would he go with? Who would Heyman go with? That's the thing. That's the thing. It could be, you know, it, maybe he could turn on, maybe he turns on Roman. I don't know, but it'd be very interesting because, He's kind of silently been in the background here, but also a really big part of this whole thing. So that'd be very interesting. Hmm. But I, I don't know how much, how, how can they continue this storyline for the rest of the year in the next year? I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, I so you think they're going to go right to Mania next year, Cody Roman? They're going to go all the way to Mania? So I mean, as we sit here right now, Jimmy, in June of 2023, and that's... Yep you know, uh, 10 months from now, that definitely seems like where we're headed with this. Doesn't it? Yeah. Possible. Possible.
5: I don't know. I've, all I got to say is keep the world heavyweight title away from Cody, keep him away <laughs> yes. from
6: the world heavyweight oh, that, title. That's a whole different discussion here. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm i not a fan of the world heavyweight championship coming back. I'm a fan of the design. I think they did a really great job of like mixing the nostalgic, you know, elements of that with like a kind of a new twist, but Bringing back the World Heavyweight Championship just kind of says, like, yeah, that belt's important, but it's not as important as the one that Roman Reigns has. Like, I it's agree. slightly more important than the Intercontinental Championship or the U.S. title, but it's not as important as the one that Roman wins. So we can give this to people all day long, but just know that the belts that belt now that Roman has, that's the most important one.
5: We actually have a super chat related to this. Ricardo still 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 no surname says CVV thoughts on that fugly new strap. And he's talking about, uh, I think the WWE universal championship, I think
6: it just, it's not even really new. Like I saw this screenshot the other day of like, there's eight different versions or nine different versions of that championship. I think we were all looking for something that a lot of people were talking about, like make it kind of look like the wing winged Eagle in some sort of way. Like, give it like a, a, a new spin on a, a vintage belt. And then they just gave us the exact same design with a different color. Like, I just think that our hopes were really high on this and we all kind of looked at it and went, Oh, that's it.
5: So I'm going to tell you a reason why I love it and a reason why I don't like it. Okay. I love it because whenever a sports team wins a championship, WWE gives them a belt and because that logo is so huge and so prominent, when that athlete is holding it up to the camera, you can see it a mile away. Mm-hmm. And so from a marketing perspective, I like it. What I don't like about it is when Roman first held it up, I thought that they had gold, quote unquote, behind the logo, but it looks like they actually just painted
6: the leather. It looks like- that's what it looks like. It looks like it's yellow. Like I don't know if that was the yes. lighting, and maybe they should have ran through this a little bit more in rehearsals. But it looked a little yellow, and you see I the, you see the bumps. A, you, you see the leather bumps through it. from From a marketing standpoint, I think this is super smart, and I think to kind of jump off this this idea of it being a marketing play, it's also brilliant because if you're one of those people who collects every single championship that WWE's ever put out, well, guess what? You've got to buy another one now. Yep, Conrad
5: Thompson's going to have it on his shelf. <laughs> guaranteed we got a super chat from glass Story gamer he says based on stats the business seems cyclical uh i don't know if he's referring to wwe or aw i mean historically wrestling has been cyclical i mean you had the peak in the 80s then it dropped off in the early 90s went back up for the attitude era but I also think that creative had a lot to do with it because when you look at so they had the Hogan run in the in the mid to late 80s, then remember Vince was doing all the gimmicks TL Hopper and the Goon, and and that was when business was at a low. Mm-hmm. Then Stone Cold Vince McMahon and D Generation X and the NWO. Like I feel like even though the business has been cyclical, they had there was creative behind it. And when you look at where WWE is right now, they got the bloodline.
6: So I think there's a correlation. It's also really difficult to judge wrestling in the moment and it you know this is kind of the same thing with like you know movies or even sports like it's hard to judge its significance in the moment it's easier to look back after five or 10 or 15 years and go oh wow that thing was pretty cool like were matches that randy orton was having in the mid-2000s we go yeah great match we look back at them now and go oh my god we were getting the best of randy orton this was so amazing
5: I'm going to read this super chat, even though I know that it's a joke, but I'm going to read it. It's from G bro. Hey, CVV, are you going to saw Do you know what that's about, Chris? I don't know. Okay. It's a D's nuts joke. I don't think we need to really worry about it. <laughs> let me, uh, let me ask you this. So NXT over the last while, we've seen them bringing people from the main roster. Mm. Uh, and I think it's a great idea to do because you're giving the people in NXT who are inexperienced the opportunity to work with experienced people. Yeah. Most recently, Baron Corbin went down. Dana Brooke was on the show this week. Mustafa Ali's done a couple of a uh, couple of matches. But here's something interesting. So Braun Breaker on NXT this week challenged Seth Rollins to come to NXT to defend the World Heavyweight Championship against Braun Breaker. I like the idea, but I think it's a wasted opportunity because that is a WWE pay-per-view caliber matchup. What are your thoughts on the idea of Rollins defending the title in NXT as opposed to Breaker coming up and wrestling him on a, on a WWE pay-per-view?
6: I feel like they're making the World Heavyweight Championship kind of like the new John Cena US title like open challenge. I feel like Seth Rollins is going to be defending this title frequently, because Roman Reigns is not going to be defending his title really at all. So I feel like Seth Rollins is going to be the workhorse for this championship. And I feel like that's going to mean maybe he goes and has matches with people who you wouldn't expect him to have matches with. And I I think that this title is going to do a really good job of elevating people who you might not expect to be getting a title shot. I agree that that's probably a match that could be better off. In the main roster, but I think that this elevates NXT and this elevates Braun so much. And it also gets people that don't normally watch NXT to want to watch NXT. The interesting thing about WWE is if you are a diehard WWE fan, unfortunately, sometimes you're not a wrestling fan. You're not watching everything that's going on. You're just watching Raw SmackDown and that's totally okay. But that means that some of those people aren't even watching NXT. So this might make them watch NXT and go, oh, wow, some really great stuff here. Maybe I should tune in more frequently on a Tuesday. Were you a fan
5: of the NWA? Because this this might be a little before your time, but the NWA say in the late 80s, were you a fan of that at all?
6: This, that was a little bit before my wrestling fan. Before
5: your time. So back then when Ric Flair was the NWA champion, he would defend the title against like Ricky Morton from the Rock and Roll Express, or he would defend the world title against Hawk from the, the Road Warriors. Yeah, yeah. Uh And it was something that you just didn't see a lot. And so that would interest me. So if, if Seth Rollins one day is defending against Jimmy Uso, or he's defending against Otis, or he's defending against just somebody that you wouldn't normally think of, that would appeal to me because you don't
6: get to see that very often. Except th- this just further reinforces my point that the world heavyweight championship is not the main championship, and that's okay. But right. stop, let's stop pretending like it is. Right, right. Okay, let's see. We got a
5: bunch of super chats. Uh, Anime otaku two says, "I disagree that wrestling is cyclical. I think WWE just doesn't build new stars to be ready when the current guys retire or go part time." It's possible. I, I still think that there is a correlation between uh, between uh, creative and between the the peaks and valleys of the business. But that's fair to say. I mean, Hogan, they kept him going as long as they could in WWE, even past the point that, that people were starting to boo him. I remember Survivor Series when Taker beat him, and as soon as Taker pinned him for the title, half the crowd popped. Mm. Uh, so it's possible that they did have guys hanging on too long. What
6: do you think? I think the wrestling fandom is also very cyclical. And like, you know, There are, you know, a select group of people that will watch no matter what you're watching Monday and Wednesday and Friday, or maybe Tuesdays, so and some Thursdays, whatever. But I think for a lot of people, like life happens. Maybe you have a kid or you go off to college or you got a really busy job. And I feel like wrestling fandom is very cyclical, which could maybe skew your perception that wrestling itself also becomes cyclical. But I also think it's difficult when you have that transition between like the well-known names that are trying to transition and have that torch passed to the maybe not so well-known names that then, you know, rides that cycle again. They become a well-known name and then you got to pass the torch again to the next person. Like when John Cena was being shoved down our throats, nobody was happy about this. Now that John Cena is not around so much anymore, we kind of miss John Cena. Then when Roman Reigns was being shoved down our throats, we didn't like it very much. And then when Roman Reigns had the chance to really explore his character, when there were no fans there and really got to say and do the things he wanted to do, we kind of went, huh, there's Roman Reigns' character. Isn't so bad. And I feel like now we're in this moment of like, okay, who's coming after Roman Reigns? Who's going to take the company for the next 10 or 15 years from now? And I I don't know. I don't know who it's going to be. Do you think that you've just found the secret sauce to getting Austin Theory over? They just got to keep him off TV
5: for three months. Maybe that's it.
6: <laughs> I oh man, I'm such a huge fan of Austin Theory. I've known I've known Austin for years and years and years. I'm such a huge fan of what he's doing. And
5: I'm just busting shops. I don't mean anything by it. All right, we got a super chat from Corey Lamb, and I want to know if you know the reference. Chris, being a, being a good Canadian boy, I'm behind, but hearing a Gareth Wheels Wheeler reference today was not expected. Oh Canada, oh baby, you know what he's talking
6: oh, about. Oh Canada, oh baby, this is great. Yes, Wheels. <laughs> he a he's a massive soccer fan, by the way. Really? Yeah. I guess uh, football for all of our uh, friends that are not in North America. Uh-huh.
5: Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. And I want to put over, I want to give a shout out to a YouTube channel called Tom Talks Rubbish. This Friday, I, he is airing an interview that I did with him. I never do interviews. This is the first interview that I've done that was not hosted by a Fightful staff member because I never do them. But Sean Ross Sapp put him over to me and I respected his story. And so uh, if you want to hear me talking about the inner workings mm-hmm. of Fightful, connecting with Sean Ross Sapp, everything else, look up Tom Talks Rubbish on YouTube. Uh, that interview is going to be up this Friday. He wants to interview you, Chris Van Vliet. So I'm just wow. throwing that up there. And here's a super chat from Tom. He says, thank you for being nice people. What is Jimmy's thoughts on CVV's favorite match, Hogan versus
6: Rock? Is that your favorite match of all time? Favorite match of all time. And I was there, WrestleMania 18. Of course, you know, Skydome, Toronto, I fully went into that match expecting to cheer for my dude, The Rock. <laughs> and then Hulk Hogan's music hit, and I went, ah, no, I'm a Hulkamaniac. Oh, did you? Yeah, and I, so did like 80% of the crowd.
5: So th- this is where my age might come through, although my gut tells me that you're going to agree with me. So I am a much bigger fan of moments than I am of matches. When a guy does a Canadian Destroyer off the top rope through a table, I'm not impressed by that. Uh, because I've seen it a thousand times. They'll get a pop that night by the next show it's forgotten. But if you can come up with a moment, that is when you really have something. And Hogan rock was a moment. I mean, Hulk Hogan was not Will Ospreay. You know what I'm saying? But Hulk Hogan knew how to work the crowd. He just had a sense for it. He was a Supreme entertainer. And uh, that match, look at the crowd for that match. That was hey, a magical moment.
6: The true Testament and I'm sure you've heard this before is if you turn the volume off in that match, that match still like comes all the way through the screen, you know, exactly what's going on there. That stare down that they have with all the camera bulbs going off. And that's just a Testament to that time is such a special moment. And we'll never see that again. Right. Right. Okay. I'm going to ask you
5: one more about one more thing. And then after that, we're going to jump over to the list goes on on fight I'd love you to join me, Chris. If you're, if you're Let's around, it, sure. So I got one more topic I want to ask him on the live pod here. Then we're going to go over to select.com and we're going to continue on with the list goes on. I want to ask your thoughts on The Rock. And this is something I want to get your opinion on. So, because I know that you have a relationship with The Rock, you know, somewhat, and you've interviewed him a bunch of times. Over the last maybe six months or so, it feels like The Rock has done a bit of a heel turn Mm. in terms of his reputation on social media. And I've read a lot of negative sentiment about him on uh, on on social media on twitter on, on instagram and even my wife my wife used to worship the ground that the guy walks on now she ignores his social media posts mm. i don't know i don't know if it's because of the black adam fallout i don't know if it's because that he tends tends to play more or less the same character and everything that he does uh but there's definitely been a bit of a shift meanwhile dave batista has become somewhat of a massive baby face for his work in hollywood a lot of people are now saying he's a better actor than the rock is he chooses more diverse roles have you noticed a popularity shift with The Rock at all? Have you noticed that online sentiment has kind of changed? What are your thoughts on that?
6: I think there were two things that happened that kind of shifted people's opinion on The Rock. One was when he endorsed Joe Biden. Really? And I, interesting. I thought that that was a really interesting move because if he had just, you know, he, when he took a side like that, he alienated like 50% of his audience because it might have been 50% that would have voted for the other guy. And I thought that that was a really interesting move, but obviously something that he felt you know, really strongly about. And then this fallout after Black Adam has been so, so interesting. And I think the thing that really disturbs me the most is how many people were like excited to watch The Rock fail here. Like, Mm. oh man, The Rock was hyping up this movie for so long and it didn't make as much money as he said it was going to make. It's like, so? so? Like it still made hundreds of millions of dollars and like, I think generally has been a success, but it was amazing seeing people just hate for the sake of hating. Like The Rock is an incredibly nice and likable person. And like, I think there's a lot of people that just want to watch someone who's super successful, like stumble a little bit. And Like I'm still a huge Rock fan. I just think that maybe there's a lot of people that were thinking, we're just a little rocked out right now. Very well said. You know, you know something. So I I learned a
5: long time ago. And the Biden thing, I never thought about that's a very good point because I learned a long time ago. In business, there's two things you don't talk about publicly: politics and religion. Mm -hmm. Those are two things you don't talk about. Those are two things. Sean knows this about me. I've I've made it very clear to him from the time we started. I never want to see you guys talking politics or religion on social media because you do alienate a portion of your audience when you do that. Never crossed my mind about the Biden thing. That's a very good point. Very good
6: point, man. Uh, So you know that I have a fishing company, right? I'm super passionate about bass fishing. I have a tungsten weight company called Woo Tungsten, W-O-O exclamation. No, no, tungsten. no. Say it, say it the right way. Say it the right Woo, way. Woo Tungsten. And we sell tungsten weights for bass fishing. We reposted one of those videos that The Rock had where he's catching a bass on his property. Like, you know, so cool, right? It's The Rock, one of the biggest stars in the world. Here, He's one of us. He's catching a largemouth bass. This is crazy we got an email from one of our customers saying, I will never buy any of your products ever again because you reposted this video of the rock. Wow. You reposted this video of someone who's trying to tear this country apart. And I just wrote back to him and said, this video had nothing to do with politics. This video was showing, hey, big movie star, just like us. He catches fish just like us. How cool is that?
4: But it was interesting
6: that the perception on the rock had shifted, at least in the the mind of this person. Interesting, interesting. All right, see, this is why I knew Chris Van Vliet was the
5: guy to ask that question to (laughs) of anybody. That was an awesome answer. All right, that's going to do it for the list and the Chris. This was an awesome time. Chris, why don't you tell the people uh, what you're doing and where they can
6: find you? Jimmy Van, thank you so much for having me on. This is so much fun. And let's do it again for sure. If you're on YouTube right now and you're watching this, please subscribe to my YouTube channel, Chris Van Fleet, and also my second channel, CVV Clips, which is growing at this incredible rate of like 1,000 new subscribers a day. I would love if you would uh, be one of those subscribers as we uh, you know, continue to grow that channel. And if you're on social media, it's just my name, at Chris Van Fleet.
5: Amazing. All right, go on over to FIFOselect.com. We're going to do the list goes on. I got more topics that we're going to talk about. CVV's going to join us, so we'll see you over there. Thanks a lot, man, for doing this.